Can you believe it? Christmas is here. I mean, not like Hobby Lobby here. Like, they start celebrating Christmas like July the 5th or something like that. I'm talking about it really and truly is the season of Christmas. Advent is upon us. Advent, as you well know, is this season of preparation where we remember the fact that Christ has already come as a little baby, grew into a sinless man, suffered, died, and then was resurrected. Not only that, we recognize his ongoing work among us. But we also, in this season, prepare because we realize that he is coming again. So every year at this time, we use the weeks leading up to Christmas to ponder the past, to consider the present, and to hope for the future realities of Christ's coming. Preparation. You know, many things in life, the good things in life, often require preparation. Do you remember going to prom or going to that big dance and you'd asked or been asked by that special someone to go to that amazing event? Do you remember what you did? Did you just lay around for the weeks leading up to it and and think nothing about it and just the night of the big ordeal throw something together? No, if you were like me, you were all pumped up for it. You thought long in advance and you coordinated your outfits and you thought about the color of the corsage and, and all that you would do, whether you'd rent a limo or you'd ride in your dad's clunker Ford. You know, you, you started thinking about all of those details so that when the big night occurred, you had every base covered and you could enjoy it. Or, or maybe you're one of those from families that, that have a big to-do at the holidays and they require lots of preparation. And so you think months in advance what, what you want to give those that you love, and you think about the meals that you will have and the treats that you will create together and the baking that you will do so that when Christmas Day actually appears, it's an amazing event that you have executed almost flawlessly. Maybe some of you, you've been in a relationship before that was heading toward your wedding day. Did you just kind of give that a second thought? Just, ah, whatever. You know, most of us guys, let's be honest, we, we, we weren't all in for the preparations for the wedding. We, we spent our mind and our focus on the honeymoon, all right? Let's just be honest. Ladies, you have thought about your wedding day since you were a little girl. And so when that opportunity came along, you planned the flowers and the, the place and the time and who you'd invite. There were preparations to be made. And then as I came into being married and, and then one day Joy came in and told me that we were going to have a little one, nothing prepared me for all the preparations that would have to be made for the coming of a little child into our home. I mean, everything got thrown out the door and the to-do list became completely different. We had walls to paint. We had furniture to put together. We had a room to completely redecorate and, and renovate everything from the car seat that we would buy and learning how to put it into the car appropriately and safely. We thought about the, the hospital trip and what we would do and we thought about making sure that our family had enough time to get there to share that event. We, we planned everything. But you know what we spent the most time in preparing? The name. 
the name, because the names are significant, aren't they? Parents have agonized over centuries about picking the right name, the perfect name for their child. You want it to be strong, but not overbearing. You want it to be unique, but you don't want it to be weird. You don't want any baggage attached to it. You know what I mean? Like, you may come up with this great name, and then your significant other looks at you, and it's like, nah, that ain't never going to happen. I knew a guy with that name, and that ain't going to happen. Or, or maybe you had some weird family member that you're like, nope, not going there, because that's just too out of, out of the box. It's got too much baggage. You want to project a positive image for this young life, and you want to create a name that fits who they are, but hopefully who they will be. When we were getting ready for our children, we named Landon after my dad. I wanted to honor my dad. There were so many good attributes about my dad that I wanted to teach my son, and I wanted Landon to, to embrace as he was named after him. My dad's name is Donald. But my brother, my oldest brother, he was my dad's namesake. So the, the name Donald w was for Donnie. But for me, I wanted so desperately to name Landon in some way to pay honor and respect to my dad. And so I took the, the letters in the name Donald and I rearranged them. And that's how we came up with Landon. And it is my hope and my desire that he will learn about my dad and become even a fraction of the man that my dad was. Maddie came as a, as a thought of paying homage and respect to Joy's grandmother and to my grandmother. Her grandmother's name was Maddie Lou Stringfellow, and so Maddie was always the name that Joy loved because she loved her grandmother. My grandmother, Lena Isabel Wallace, was another tremendous influence. Both of these ladies were loving and genteel and sweet. They were the epitome of women who put family over self. And we labored to, how could we pay homage? And so we took Maddie and created Madeline. And we took Lena Isabel and created Isabella. Because we would love for Maddie to display their sweetness and their heart. Names have always been significant. Even in the Bible, names were, were important. Some names describe the circumstances that occurred at birth. You think about Moses, and his name means to draw out, and it's symbolic of the fact that he was drawn out of the river. You think about um, Jacob, who was born the second of a twin, and, and he was the heel grabber. He was the supplanter, he, he, and from the womb wanted to be the firstborn, and so even as Esau was, was being birthed, he grabbed his heel trying to, to supplant his birth order. Then some places in scripture you find out that naming was used to foreshadow a future destiny. Think about Abram whose name means father. He became the father of many because of him obeying God's promise and following through. You think of the name Joshua, one who is to save and what he did for God's people and leading them from the wilderness into the promised land. Some names just were merely to pay homage and respect to God. Matthew, which means gift of God. In biblical times and in ancient uh, cultures, names were used to describe the essence and the hope for character of a person. And so in this scenario, in this narrative, 
Isaiah the prophet tells of a difference-making child who would come and change everything for the Hebrew nation and ultimately the world. In a time of darkness where God had been silent for so long, the prophet spoke of a coming light. In the midst of struggles and pains, he promises one who will come and set all things right. And in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we read these words. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah doesn't give us one specific name. Rather, he gives us several names, or rather numerous titles that will fit this one who is coming to make all things right. This baby will be someone who is unmistakable, who checks all of these boxes. Regardless of the given name, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's what's going to describe him. It's what he's going to be known for doing and what he's capable of being for all people. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and we're going to, to examine these names or title of Jesus, our Messiah. Today, we want to cover, he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor actually comes from two Hebrew words, one meaning too amazing or too wonderful or too marvelous for words, and the other as one who is able to consult, advise, or guide. So when you put them together, what you come up with is one who is able to consult or advise or guide who is too wonderful for words. The prophet foretold one who would come to be able to guide and counsel us in ways that we could not fathom. Words cannot express the value, and they would not be able to convey his wise counsel, and his personage. In a year like 2020, I'm clinging to that, that phrase, to that name, to that title, like Linus clinging to his security blanket. You see, the baby that we celebrate at the manger was born into a broken, fallen, dark, hopeless world to be our wonderful counselor, to give us guidance in such a time, in such a place as this. He is too wonderful for words, and his wisdom and knowledge are incomparable. Everything that we've been through the last couple of years has stretched us beyond our wildest imaginations, haven't it? Am I right? I mean, you think back two years ago to the hurricane and all the fallout that came from trying to put the pieces back together. Then, here this year, we began to actually seemed like we had returned to some semblance of normal only to have the pandemic shut us down. It has caused health issues. It has caused financial issues. It has upset the apple cart as to what life we once knew to be normal. Add to that the civil unrest and the riots and the protesting. On top of that, we've had election craziness and that's just in our corner of the world the entire world has been experiencing disasters 
and difficulties and heartaches and pains. But Isaiah's baby was born into such a world to lead us from darkness into light, from confusion into peace and understanding. That's why I love the words from Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16, where the writer says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. Jesus has walked among us. He, he understands what we go through and what we have to deal with. He has been through everything just as we are, yet he did not sin. So we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And we may receive mercy and grace to find help in our time of need. Jesus came for people just like us. For, for situations just like we are enduring. To help out those who are sick and sorrowful and sad and broken and confused and lost. He came as a light to show us the way. I'm reminded that at one point in Jesus' ministry, as he was hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, he was having meals with them and spending time with them. And as was his custom, Jesus always loved being around the least, the lost, and the lonely. And it upset the religious elite. And they got upset with him and his practices, and they questioned what he was doing. Verse 31 of Luke chapter 5 says, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The wonderful counselor was doing exactly what he was sent to do. To help those incapable of helping themselves. He met people right where they were and brought much needed light and guidance and direction in order to show them a better way. So what world are you living in? And what struggles are you facing today? What's going on that you need to have dealt with or addressed? I bet if we were truly honest, each of us has a litany of things that require assistance and aid. The question isn't, are we sick? The question is, in what way are we sick? In what areas are these sicknesses showing up? Do you have physical ailments? Are you sick? Have you gotten some diagnoses in the last couple of months or years that are unfavorable and troubling? Today, you need a wonderful counselor to come and guide you through that process. Maybe some of you are, are dealing with financial issues. Maybe it's from the hurricane or, or from other uh, issues that have arisen out of the pandemic or maybe just poor choices. Some of us have financial issues. Others have relational stuff going on, and there's some sickness in some relationships that we have. I mean, bottom line is, is it all well, and are all relationships good with you and for you? Maybe we got some unresolved bitterness or unforgiveness. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you were grateful that you didn't have to go be with some of your family members, right? Because it always seems like we gather Expecting the best, but oftentimes finding the worst and things blowing up. Maybe some of us here are spiritually sick and we're not even aware. We know about Jesus, but we don't know Jesus. He's not sitting on the throne of our life, and, and we may not realize it, but we are in peril. 
Some of us sit here today and we have mental health issues. And the world doesn't want to talk about it. There's a stigma to it. Oh, you, you have mental health issues and, and folks are shunned. But I just want you to know it's normal to experience PTSD and depression and discouragement and anxiety when you've been through the things that we've been through the last several years. And it's not something that you want to hide. It's something that you need to take to the wonderful counselor so that he can aid you and assist you and take you out of darkness into light. We all have hurts and habits and hang-ups, don't we? If you've got those things today, welcome to Woodlawn. The way I say it at at worship at the water is welcome to this messy place of grace. We're not perfect. We're struggling. We all have issues. But we know one who is perfect and we're walking together to become more and more like him and to have him address the issues that are going on in our lives. And here we are at the holidays and we have stuff going on, right? And it seems that the holidays only seem to magnify our feelings and our struggles exponentially. Have you noticed that? If you're sad, you're really sad during the holidays. If you're broken, you are really broken. If you have a drinking problem, the, the drinking problem only becomes worse during the holidays. That's why I'm loving that we have Celebrate Recovery that's available to you every Thursday. But we also have a special service that we're offering December the 12th. It's called Blue Christmas. And for those of you who are struggling this year and you don't feel like celebrating, you just need a safe place to come and be honest and, and to have somebody embrace you and to walk along with you. That's a great evening for you to come and find amazing ministry. You see, if you've got things going on, if you are struggling or sick, can I tell you this? Healing is available through Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And all we have to do is three simple things. The first one is this. Be brutally honest with the counselor. Those of you that have been around for a while, you know that I've had mental health issues and struggles. I had a crash and burn, and I was at a place where I could not pick myself up, and I went to a counselor, and I had to take medication. So, so if you're worried about the stigma, join me. I'm here and available. I'd love to talk with you about where I've been and what I've seen God do. But when I went to my counselor, the first thing I learned is that I had to be honest. I had to tell him the things as they were and not how I wanted them to be or how I wanted him to view me, but really the dirty, muddy junk that was going on in my heart and life. And you know what I found when I was honest with him? freedom amazing freedom it's the freeing thing in the world to be honest especially in this culture where we often expect people to lie I mean when you were walking in this morning how many people had somebody ask you how you were doing and how many of you gave them the pat answer that our culture says is the appropriate response to that question or how many of you lied D did you to the how are you doing, did you give them the good, the great, the wonderful? Or were you really real? No, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm doing my best. Because the normal response in our culture is to lie. 
But God wants us to be honest, honest with ourselves, honest with one another, but most importantly, honest with our counselor, the wonderful counselor, because it's liberating to speak the truth. And, and what I've found is the truth will set you free. In John chapter 4 in Scripture, we find a story where a woman was at a well and she had this life-changing discussion and conversation uh, with Jesus. And in the middle of the conversation, Jesus tells the woman to go back and call her husband and to return back to him. In verse 17, she says, Jesus, I have no husband. Jesus had hit on a very sensitive topic, a place of sickness and struggle for the woman. But she's honest with him as she says, I have no husband. She doesn't lie or cover it up. She doesn't justify it or make excuses. She's just brutally honest. I have no husband. And then Jesus takes her honesty and unpacks it for her. He says to her, you have well said that you have no husband. Actually, you've been married five times, and the man you're currently with is not your husband. You're not married to him. You see, when it all is said and done, she was looking for love in all the wrong places, trying to fill the void in her life with relationships with men that could not satisfy. And yet, in her honesty, Jesus gave her the opportunity to share. And it allowed him the opportunity to share with her that he was the answer to everything that she had been looking for in life. I'm what you're searching for. I'm the, the, the fountain of your love. I'm the fountain of meaning. You see, honesty with the wonderful counselor is freeing because ultimately he knows what's going on anyway. He sees all and he knows all. You know that, right? Psalm 139, are you familiar with that scripture? O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. You see, we can be brutally honest with the counselor because he already knows what's going on in our life and he wants to guide us to the right way because he cares. That blows my mind away that the one who knows me best loves me most. And that's why I can do what Psalm 55, 22 says, that I can cast my cares on the Lord and he will sustain me. He will never let the righteous be shaken. And then over in 1 Peter it says, Cast your cares on the Lord, for he cares for you. We can be brutally honest with our counselor. But after we speak and tell him what's going on, we need to stop and listen to the counselor's voice. You see, the best counselors are not just the ones who listen, but they're able to share great insights if we will incline our ear to them. In meeting with my counselor over the year, years he often says things like what I hear you saying or I've noticed you've repeated this same idea in several different ways and then he will share his thoughts regarding my statements and it blows my mind you see we've got to share with the counselor but then we've got to sit back and listen especially Jesus this counselor who who is too wonderful for words Did you understand and do you know that he comes with great resources? Mark chapter 9 verse 7. Here's here's a great resource, a great reference that he gets. 
a voice came from the cloud. We know this to be God the Father who says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Now imagine you're in trouble, you're seeking out a counselor, and you go to the counselor's office, and on his wall is diplomas and certificates and degrees, and then you see a referral statement from somebody that you hold in the highest admiration and respect. It's a difference maker, isn't it? Oh my goodness, look look at all that qualifies him, and this person that I deeply admire and respect gives him the thumbs up. You see, Jesus had God's good housekeeping seal of approval, if that's even something anymore. My, my mom, when I was growing up, had Good Housekeeping magazine. And if you knew somebody or something had the good housekeeping seal of approval, you, you could take it to the bank. It was good. And what God is saying is, listen to him. I approve of him and what he has to say. You need to hear because he has wisdom and knowledge and insight that you do not have because he is a wonderful counselor. Scripture says in Psalm 147 verse 5 that great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is, in, is beyond measure. Isaiah 40 28 says, Have you not known and have you not heard? The Lord, our everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. That's why we can join with the writer of Proverbs in in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not into our own understanding. In all our ways we can acknowledge Him because He will make straight our paths. So do you have some things going on in your life? Struggles, sicknesses, sadnesses, or sorrows? Be honest with the counselor. And then allow him the opportunity to address your circumstance and situation by listening. But then we need to do what the counselor tells us to do. And this is the tough part. My counselor calls this rearranging the furniture. It requires some heavy lifting and some sweat equity. You see, it's not enough to talk and share and listen. There comes a time to act on the advice that we've been given. In Mark chapter 10, we find a story of a man who comes to Jesus wanting to be saved, wanting to know what he needed to do to enter eternal life. And Jesus looks at the man and he gives him a list of a couple of things from the Ten Commandments. And I can see this guy's face beaming as he says to him in verse 20, Teacher, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. The Bible says Jesus looked at him and loved him. I think at this point, this guy's thinking, man, I am golden. This is a piece of cake. I'm a shoe-in for the kingdom. But then Jesus continued on to the meatier portion of what was needed. One thing you lacked, Jesus said. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. So close to salvation. The wonderful counselor had come near. He was brutally honest, this man was, with Jesus. And he heard what Jesus had to say, but he was unwilling to do what Jesus asked him to do. Make him a priority and follow me. That's why James 1.22 tells us 
that we are not to be just listeners or hearers of the word. We need to do what it says. And here's the most excellent thing about all of this. The wonderful counselor gave us the Holy Spirit as a comforter and a helper to help us do the heavy lifting. And we, we don't have to do all of this by ourselves because we're, we're incapable of it. And so he gave us one, that same one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead to indwell us so that he could help and aid and assistance and, and assist us. For it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, declares the Lord. You see, what is impossible for us is well within God's ability. That's why he sent the wonderful counselor. As we enter into this season of Advent, I hope that we will give some time to give thanks for the promised counselor, that one too marvelous for words because he has come into our world. I hope that we will take some time to remember that he is still active and available for us today to hear our brutal honesty, to speak wonderful words of life and light to us and guidance and to give us some things to do so that we might walk in a way that leads us to an amazing future. But also I hope that we will take some time in this season to yearn for the day when the counselor comes back, when he returns to administer wisdom and justice where darkness is completely vanquished forevermore, when the sword will completely and forever be surrendered and peace, God's shalom will find its way into the world, but more importantly, into our hearts and lives forevermore. You see, that word shalom is much more than just peace, uh, absence of conflict. It is actually the idea of perfect wholeness and well-being. Are you struggling? Are you sick? Do you have some stuff going on in your life? Then in this Advent season, I hope that you will embrace the counselor who is too wonderful for words because he has come to bring light in the darkness, peace in the midst of the craziness, but shalom. O come, O come. Emmanuel.